Hi friends, welcome to the Kansas City MomCast, a place to learn, connect, and grow in a relevant and intentional way. We're your hosts, Sarah and Megan. Join us as we interview experts in the field and hear from local moms just like you. This is a podcast for Kansas City Moms by Kansas City Moms. We know that your time is precious and we're grateful you've chosen to spend some of it with us. Thank you for being a part of the Kansas City Mom Collective community. Hi, friends. Welcome back. You all are in for quite the treat today because you get a two for one today on this episode. You get to hear two interviews and the first one you're going to get to hear from Dr. Nikki Zieber of Kansas City Baby Lab about the latest in infant research on processing emotions. And then following that, you'll get to hear from our very own Kansas City Mom Collective events director, Jamie Young, about our upcoming KC Mom and Baby event for new and growing families. And I've been to these and you don't want to miss it. Personal personal opinion there. Um, a little bit about Dr. Nikki Zieber of Kansas City Baby Lab. Dr. Nicole Zieber is an assistant professor and grant-funded researcher at Kansas City University. She obtained her PhD in 2012 and has spent her career conducting research on infant development. We hear about her current research, which utilizes eye-tracking methodology, how infants process emotions, and how that relates to social outcomes in the second year of life. Fascinating. But before we get started, we want to give a big thank you to Oaks Kia. At Oaks Kia, we strive to be better than the rest. Family-owned and operated here in Kansas City, Oaks Kia offers a complimentary lifetime warranty on all new vehicles and two years of free scheduled maintenance with every purchase. Oaks Kia earned a spot in Kia America's prestigious President's Club for the second year in a row based on highest overall sales volume and outstanding customer satisfaction. We invite you to experience the Oaks Advantage and become part of our family. We appreciate you guys being here today. Let's get started. Hi, Nikki. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this. I just had my fourth baby and have found, you know, what you're researching really fascinating. Um, So on that note, can you talk a little bit about what your lab does and what your research entails? Sure. I would say. I would say the main thing that we study in our lab is the development of social knowledge um, in the first year of life. So how infants process and learn about things like faces and bodies. So sometimes we look at whether infants have like a specific type of knowledge at a specific age, like can seven month olds tell what a possible versus an impossible body posture is? Do they know that? Um, But other studies deal with emotional expressions from either faces or bodies during that first year. And one of the examples of that is, do infants with um, who experience primarily female faces, do they process emotion from male faces in the same way as they do from female faces? So that's just an example of some of the stuff that we uh, look at. Um, so can you talk about what do babies learn about emotions in that first year of life? So babies learn what specifies an emotion. So when they see like smiles or when they see like happy body movements, they learn that 
you know, that represents a happy emotion. Um, and they learn the difference between different basic emotions like happy and angry. And I wouldn't say that, you know, a sub, the age I work with a lot is seven month olds. And I wouldn't say that their understanding of emotion is the same, you know, as a child or an adult's understanding of emotion. But they do understand that, you know, across different people, uh, a happy expression looks the same or, you know, different people, different ways to pose happy are the same thing and go together. Um, and then like by the end of the first year, they do seem to know how to use their parents' expressions to uh, model their own behavior. So like if they're presented with an ambiguous toy that they don't know anything about and, you know, looks kind of weird, if their mother poses a fearful expression, they're not likely to approach the toy. But if their mother poses a happy expression in relation to the toy, then they will approach the toy. So they're learning to, you know, about emotions and then how to use those emotion emotional expressions from their parents to like guide their behavior. So kind of like as your kids get older, when they, I feel like when they get hurt, if the mom remains calm, <laughs> they, don't necessarily, they don't model, you know, if you get upset and they're crying, then they'll model like, this must be scary. And I'm really hurt. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. We learned that really early. Um, Okay, can you talk about like your current studies and what you specifically are studying about emotion right now? Yeah, so one study we're doing is looking at whether baby's attention is automatically drawn to emotion compared to neutral expressions, even when they're presented at very brief durations, like less than one second, um, which we expect babies to be able to see, or at a duration like of 100 milliseconds, which is should be subliminal for babies. So we're just looking in general, is attention automatically drawn to facial emotion, even if we can't see the expressions? And in addition, we're looking to whether there's individual differences between infants and how quickly they detect that emotion, and there do seem to be. And so a subsequent question we're going to answer in our next study is whether the differences in detection speed relate to their later social outcomes at like 15 months. Okay. We're doing another study um, that's also looking at like how babies recognize emotions for female versus male faces and whether their caregiving experience, so having a primary caregiver is female, for example, affects how babies process emotion from faces of different sexes. So it'd be interesting to see if, for example, more distributed caregiving experience between mom and dad led to better processing of individual faces because they've had more variety in what they've seen, um, which could affect something down the road, like making friends in a large preschool class and being able to remember different individuals' faces. So will you track these kids, like maybe into preschool, or how do you determine like the future outcomes? So the study we're going to be doing that we're starting in just a few weeks is going to start with three and a half month olds and it will follow them to seven and a half months and 12 and a half months and do this task I was kind of talking about of emotion detection. And then we're going to follow up with them at 15 months and do an assessment assessment of their social skills and see whether they're related. 
Now, I would love to do it later. Like initially, it was supposed to be 18 months, but we're a grant-funded study, and we have a timeline. And, you know, we've been affected from everything from COVID to, you know, me starting at a new university. I was at KU first, and now I'm at KCU. And so uh, 15 months is as long as we can go on the grant deadline, probably. Um, But, yeah, it'd be great to be able to follow them if we find the funding uh, to later ages, too. So Nikki, this is super fascinating. And I'm just thinking about bringing my baby into the lab and obviously they can't talk. So what are you doing to design a study to detect whether a baby is responding to a male or female face? So we use looking time studies where we present infants with something usually side by side and we see which they look to longer. And sometimes we'll do this after, say, familiarizing them for 30 seconds to one thing Um, And then testing them on a couple test trials where they see the image that they already saw that's familiar and they see something that's novel and we see whether they look to the novel emotion or novel thing more. And with the female and male faces, we're not directly showing them female and male faces. We are doing a female study with female faces and a study with male faces. And we're going to look then, uh, combine the data and look at if there's differences in how they process emotion um, from female faces versus male faces. Okay. So like how long they looked at or hold their attention? Is that? Kind of. um, We, so we do this 30 second familiarization to a, female posing one emotion. So let's say a happy female. And then at tests, they're going to see a different female. So not the same person posing happiness or posing something like fear. And so what we're looking to see is they look, do they look more to the novel emotion? Do they recognize that happy is the same, even though it's across different people? And then we're going to compare, we expect them to do this with a with female faces, like this should be an easy task for seven month olds, but then we're going to, nobody's really done this sort of thing with male faces. And so we're going to do it with infants who most of our infants have primary caregivers who are female. And so that kind of creates an ideal sample to see whether, um, you know, the more experience they have with females, does that lead to differences in processing male faces? So why do you think this research is important? What does it tell us about a baby's development? So it's important to know what typical development looks like, especially um, in terms of emotion perception. So if we know when certain abilities are starting to come online, we can establish norms for development. So what we expect to happen at a certain age. And if you take this type of information and then pair it with studies that examine the same question question with infants who maybe are at high risk for developmental disabilities, that has implications for earlier diagnosis of disorders, um, particularly those in which emotion perception is impaired, like autism. So eventually, we may be able to recognize when an infant is exhibiting atypical development in terms of emotion perception, perception very early on. Okay. And is there... Anything you think in this research that helps, you know, even a typical developing infant that helps kind of inform parents of what's important when they interact with their baby? I think in general, um, some of the things that we've learned from our research is that um, the timing of visual experience matters. So you want your child to get lots of experience with faces in the first uh, 
year of life because face processing capabilities are in particular developing like from one to seven months of age or to nine months of age. And so we want them to see lots of face-to-face -face interaction with parents, you know, uh, visual acuity is really bad for like a three-month-old. And so they can, they, they can only see blurry faces if you're far away, but if you're interacting with them face-to-face, -face, then they can actually see your face and your facial expressions and they'll become better at processing faces and more rapidly. And so when you're designing studies, do you account for like the environment and with, I know you talked about primary, like having a female caregiver, do you account for any other, you know, natural environment or um, like a baby's just natural personality or are all infants pretty much the same in the first year of life? So we collect a lot of information that um, we can look at uh, if we you know, if we find differences, individual differences between infants and our group is not homogenous, then we can look at all these different things we've collected information about, like the size of their household, or if they have siblings, or we do a perceptual sensitivity questionnaire that, you know, different babies are more sensitive to, uh, like sounds and noises than others. And so we can take those and then look at, uh, whether they predict individual differences in how they did our task. So I know that you are looking for parents to bring their babies in. Um, and we'll get to the details of that, but can you talk about, you know, if a mom brings her baby into the lab, um, what is that look like? So, we have parents come to KCU's campus and uh, they can come and park right in front of our building and we meet them there at the door. And we have this really nice playroom area we take them to and we're going to explain the study to them, show them the images that their child's going to see and have them like first fill out a consent form. But then after we move them to a testing room, and this is a, kind of like a blacked out room where their child sits on their lap and just watches images on a screen. And I say blacked out so that there's nothing else for the baby to look at but the images on the screen. And then we have this special camera that doesn't record actual video, but it, it does record exactly where and exactly how long a baby's looking at different areas of the screen. So like we can create regions of interest like the eyes or, you know, the mouth. And we can also just see basically if they're looking to our stimulus on the left or a stimulus on the right. So it takes us a few minutes to set up the camera and to calibrate it properly. And then we have parents actually put on some blacked out sunglasses because, you know, babies are so sensitive to what their parents doing and we don't want them to unintentionally influence where their child's looking on the screen. Uh -huh. So their child watches the screen uh, presented with emotional expressions for about three to four minutes. And then that's it. Uh, then the parent would go and fill out some surveys in the other room while the child plays with a research assistant. Um, right now, we're doing two studies at once. So we do like a 45-minute visit where they do two studies. And so if we, they were doing the second study, then we would just kind of repeat that and do informed consent again, camera set up again, watch one more set of uh, videos that's only about one minute long. Okay. And then do they just make that one visit or do you have follow-ups? So right now we're just uh, doing seven month old and we're not following up with them. It's just the one visit. We plan on starting in about 
Well, as soon as we get approval, we plan on starting the study that I talked about where we'll start with three to four month olds and then we'll follow them, you know, uh, through different ages. Okay. So it just depends on the study. Um, and what are the benefits for the parents who are participating in the research studies? So for a one-time 45-minute visit, we do compensate parents with a $50 uh, Amazon gift card if they participate in both the studies. Uh, it's like 25 each. Um, but also, I mean, parents just get to have a fun experience with their baby, and they get to help to contribute to our knowledge of child development. We take we have the baby play on our little play mat. We can get toys out. And we take a picture that we send to the uh, parent as like a souvenir of their visit. And, um, you know, our playroom has toys and books for children of different ages. So we siblings can come and they can, we always have at least two research assistants. So one can play with siblings while the baby participates with their parent in the study. So it's just a fun experience, even if uh, like you bring the whole family or if it's just you and your child. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, And so can you talk about who you're looking for? You mentioned the seven to eight month olds. um, And then in the future, you said three months, is that correct? Right. And, you know, we usually tell people anybody with a baby seven months or younger for the seven month study to contact us if they're interested, because we keep like a running database and with uh, children's birth dates. And when they enter the right age for a study, then we'll follow up with you and, you know, contact you and say, hey, you're eligible now. Do you want to participate? So anybody younger than seven months, uh, we usually tell to call us. And actually, as we start this three to four month study uh, this fall, it's going to continue through, I think, next May. And so anybody who's going to have a three month old, even moms to be who might, you know, uh, be expecting uh, in January or, you know, a little bit later could contact us and we could, you know, based on due date, contact them when we think they're entering the right window to participate. That's a little tricky. You you need babies who don't even. <laughs> <laughs> we just start early because it's really hard to get three month old. No kidding, I'm sure. Um, and so, are there any other future studies, or like, do you have dreams of other like research questions that you're hoping to answer or dive into in the future if you have the funding? Yeah, I am really interested in the differences in how babies process bodies uh, compared to faces and whether there are any differences uh, for like static body postures uh, versus uh, emotional body movements for emotional body postures versus emotional body movements. Um, And I'm interested in whether this follows like a similar or delayed timeline as the ability to perceive emotion from faces. in the second after their first year, babies switch from primarily viewing faces to starting to spread their attention around to other body parts like hands. And we know this because we've seen a study that looked at babies who wore head mounted cameras uh, while their daily looking behavior was recorded. And so right around six to seven months is when this is changing. And so we want to know whether this changing visual attention out in their environment relates to when infants develop knowledge about bodies as opposed to faces. So interesting. I feel like I'm going to be watching my baby like a hawk now. <laughs> so it is yeah. fascinating. Where can parents find more about your research? So we have a website. It's 
www.kcubabydev for development and lab.com. So kcubabydevlab.com. And we also are on Instagram um, at kcubabydevlab or on Facebook at, um, with the backslash kcubabydevlab. Okay. And we will include, I know you have a email address too, and we will include all of that in our show notes. So if you're listening to this on your podcast app, make sure you go to our show notes page and you'll include links and um, all your information there. Okay, Nikki, thank you so much for joining us. This was super interesting. I feel like we should schedule a follow-up in a year from now to see what your results are. (laughs) Yeah, that would be good. Um, Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you helping us to get the word out about research with babies. Because, you know, we're always looking for parents and we're always looking for help. Uh, We can't really do this research without parents. (laughs) For sure. Thank you. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for popping in here today. Hi, thanks for having me. So Kinsey Mom Collective has a huge event coming up next month. And you are the woman who is pulling the strings. So can you (laughs) tell us a little bit about Kinsey Mom and Baby? Absolutely. So yeah, so we are hosting our first, our inaugural KC Mom and Baby event. And this is going to be a really amazing baby fair that will take place on Sunday, November 12th at the Olathe Conference Center. Um, It runs from noon to four. Before you ask, there is no Chiefs game. It is a bye week, so you don't have to worry about that. And we are going to have 30 sponsors on site that are going to be offering so many resources to families, you know, who are expecting their first or maybe adding a new baby to their family. Um, we've got everyone from folks who can provide information on childcare, healthcare. We'll have family vehicles, you know, the minivans, uh, car seat safety financial planning, so many things. Um, We'll have some fun shopping. Uh, Pediatric dentistry folks will be on hand, um, which, you know, I think there's so many people who don't understand how soon you may need a pediatric dentist, um, even in the infancy stages of your baby. So there are just so many amazing resources just right in front of you. And we have found, you know, it's been a little while since I had my last baby. And since then, everything has kind of gone digital. And so I think people are really wanting just that face-to-face contact with people again. We're going to have one of our sponsors will have amazing baby gear for you to try out, like put your hands on it and not just order it blindly online. You can actually take it for a test drive there. Um, So it's just going to be a really great time to meet folks who can give you all the things you need for that kind of new stage of life with your new little one. And you said noon to four. Is this something people can come and go or do they need to be present the whole time? Absolutely. No, it is a pop in when you can make it. So the event runs from noon to four. Um, I will say the first 100 moms through the door will receive a swag bag of goodies. Um, So if you want to come out a little early, you might have a chance at that. We're going to have fun giveaways throughout the entire time. So no, you don't need to be there at any specific time. Um, We will have sessions available too with some of our sponsors just to kind of have those more in-depth Q&As on um, things you may be inquiring about. But no, we absolutely want you to come out when it works for you. Um, But noon to four is when we'll be out there. Awesome. Um, So I know there's some other fun things. Um, Can you talk about maybe the cravings table and some other? Yes. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, we, so, you know, we've got to have some snacks, right? So we're going to have a fun cravings table, which will cater to all those cravings. We've got pickles with Casey Cannon Company. We've got ice cream. We've got the salty. We've got the sweet, you know, just little things to snack on um, that, I mean, I crave even when I'm not pregnant. So, you know, like it's, it's a little something for everyone. Um, and, you know, we really encourage everyone to bring, you know, bring your partner, bring your sister, your mom, kind of make a fun day of it. Cause you know, we have found through Kansas City Mom Collective that though, you know, those people who are closest to those babies need these resources too. So you can make a day of it, a little afternoon of it. Um, tickets are $5 a piece. So, um, but we are more than happy if for whatever reason you cannot cover that cost, we want to make sure everyone can come to this. So please let us know, send us a message. Um, but if you can do the tickets, they're just five bucks a piece. And um, we would love to see as many folks out there and just meet all these, you know, moms and moms to be uh, in the Kansas City area. I'm really excited because I feel like this is kind of the heart of the mission of Kansas City Mom Collective is, you know, we want to be there for you from the very beginning, which is, I think, when people need us the most. But Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Kid is going into middle school. I also need Kansas City Mom Collective, but but first first year, you know, you just meet other moms and um, all the awesome resources that Kansas City has. And there are really so many, but it's hard to find them all in one place. So this is going to be. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, you're good. Go. I was just going to say, I think the sooner you realize as a mom that it is so good to lean on those other moms and those resources, you know, I think we all try to think we can do it on our own. Right. And so I think the sooner you realize, like, it's so much easier when we have those around us, that support system, whether it's in our family, in the community that we've created through Kansas City Mom Collective. So the sooner you kind of understand like, yes, like we're in this together. I think the more enjoyable it is, um, for motherhood. Cause it's not easy. It is, it sure is fun, but it, um, it's a lot easier when you've got support. Absolutely. So yeah. where can people find out more information? Yeah. So obviously Kansas city momcollective.com is the place to go. We've got it under our events page. Um, we've got a link there to tickets, um, all the information with all the sponsors that'll be on site, the sessions and all the good stuff to know is all there. So check out Kansas city momcollective.com. Well, thanks Jamie. And we hope to see you all there. Yes. Thanks for having me. See you guys November 12th. We all know that life happens big and small. Whether your family is welcoming a new baby, experiencing an emergency, or in need of a primary care provider, you can trust Advent Health South Overland Park to be with you every step of the way. Located at 165th and 69th Highway, Advent Health South Overland Park offers a full range of medical services, including heart care, surgery, birth center, and a 24-7 ER. Advent Health South Overland Park brings expert care in a warm, soothing environment so that you can get back to feeling whole. Learn more by visiting adventhealthkc.com backslash South OP. Okay, well, that was fascinating. And um, I was very sad to miss that. I was very sad to miss that interview, but hearing all that information, that would have been really helpful to know, I don't know, nine years ago or so. Yeah, it was really interesting. And someone's clearly quite smarter than us, but yes, you need to think about how your babies process information and just all the emotion. It makes me like realize like 
what does my face look like when I'm talking to my baby? I know, I know. More, more things to overanalyze. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, switching gears just a bit. All right. We are in October, which is my personal favorite month. Um, in Kansas city and we have, so I have a million favorite things, but I have narrowed it down. Sarah, you go first. What are you loving in Kansas city at this very moment? Okay. So I think October is one of the best months to visit parks. Yes. Finally, not boiling hot. The slides aren't hot. Um, I think you can parks like in the summer, but really parks in Kansas city in the summer just aren't that great. Nope. Um, and so we were killing time in the Westport area and went to the Ropes Playground. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, so the Roanoke Park, um, right on the other side of, I think that's Southwest um, Boulevard. But Okay. Um, down by Westport. Yep. And Roanoke has two playgrounds, and one is more traditional, and then one is the Ropes Playground. And it's all climbing. It has a zip line. Um, one of a couple of those like slides that are in the hill. It was yeah. really, really cool, and um, we just loved it. And it was a great way to kill time. But I would say it's like a destination playground. Like I definitely go to that area just for that. That's awesome. Um, we'll link yeah. to that in show notes too. So if anybody wants to find that exact location, we'll we'll have a link for it. Sure. Okay. How about you? Well. I'm saying it's a favorite. I know that it will be a favorite, but full disclosure and transparency, we have not actually gone there yet, but we've been hearing about Jack's Hollow. It's like a haunted drive-through uh, in Gardner. And it's been on my list to go for the past couple of years, but like everything around, you know, different holiday seasons, you know, you have a, a list a mile long and you try to get like one thing done and that's never made it successfully um, onto, onto our list. So this year, we are actually scheduled to go um, tomorrow night. And what you do is, so it's it's somebody just puts this on. Um, and you go on to their Facebook page, and they actually have like a sign-up genius. And you just go on and you sign up for a 30-minute slot. And you can go anytime during your 30 minutes. It's free to go. Um, but they just do that, I think, for traffic flow. Because I think they've had, is- had issues with that in the past. Um, so you sign up to go. And you drive through, and then I actually was chatting with somebody on their Facebook page. I had asked a question, and they said that there's a part where you can get out of your car, you can park, you can get out and kind of walk through some, you know, haunted, spooky areas. And then they have like snacks you can buy, and they have hot cider, which would be kind of fun. And then the neatest thing is, I like I said, it is free, but they every year they collect donations for a different charity. And this year they're doing, um, they're collecting unwrapped toys or gifts for kids, uh, baby through 17. And they're going to be given to a local charitable organization called secret Santa's. And so, um, I think it's, you know, similar to, um, like operation, what's that one called, Sarah operation. Well, they're like toys for tots breakthrough operation breakthrough. Yes. Toys for tots, that kind of thing. Um, so anyways, so if you do go and you can bring something, um, that's an unwrapped gift. I know they, they appreciate that. So again, we haven't gone, but I've heard about it, um, on all the, all the socials for a long time. So we're going to go, we're going to go check it out. And it's like the only thing in the Kansas city area that I'm aware of that does something like that for Halloween. So. Well, that's really cool. It looks like it's, it's full some of the weekends, but 
Yeah. Yeah. And it does, it does book up. So, um, get on there and we'll link to that too. If you want to try to sneak in, um, and they have certain dates that they're open. Their last date they're open this year is the 28th and yeah, jackshollow.com. Cool. That's it. All right. Well, friends, um, before we say bye, we want to say another quick thank you to Oaks Kia for making today's episode possible. We appreciate them and we will see you all next time. Bye. Thank you again for spending part of your day with us. We would love for you to share this podcast with other Kansas City moms as well as rate and review as this helps others find us. We would also love to hear from you, whether it's to share what you loved about today's episode, an idea for a future topic, or just to tell us how you're doing. We are here for you. You can email us anytime at kcncpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time on another episode of Kansas City Momcast.